The following is a fourth-hand production. His power is stronger than stronger. Satan. His might shall last longer than longer. Yes, Satan! No! It can't be! I'm Gordon Coulter. For many years, I served as a law enforcement officer. Today, it's my privilege to host this program on a little-known area in law enforcement, but important to every small community and every large city across our vast country. It's the area of satanic cult. Kids were railroaded because of their mullets, dark clothes, and fascination with the occult. It makes me scared <laughs> that, you know, this could happen to any of us. And it did happen to these three young outcasts who came to be known as the West Memphis Three after their hometown along the Arkansas-Tennessee border. Damian Eccles, Jesse Miss Kelly, and Jason Baldwin, teenagers then, in their mid-30s today, convicted in what many labeled a literal witch hunt, no physical evidence against them, imprisoned for nearly two decades. Now let's look at another one of these. This is where we go into the Dungeon Master's Guide. Who is the Dungeon Master? Well, the Dungeon Master is a person who plays God in the game, and, uh, and he controls all the situations. In fact, the books tell him that he is, he is the God of the game. Well, I know that when uh, I did my message, and this has happened, I have letter after letter where people took the pieces. Now, there's sixes involved in the pieces of the game, but they yes. take the pieces of the game, they would throw them in the incinerator or the fireplace, and screams would come out because there seemed to be some kind of spiritual forces inhabiting those pieces and children would drop out of life. They didn't want to study anymore. Evil powers are trying to brainwash this generation of children, but the truth will set them free. You can take that truth to them. Let's pray that churches across the nation will rise up and expose this deception of a generation. In the name of Jesus, I break every stronghold and I command that Satan loses hold upon your household and I praise God for it. Amen. See you next time. In sociology, satanic panic is a phenomenon characterized as widespread fear about the presence of satanic ritual abuse in one's community, state, or country. The phenomenon of satanic panic originated in the 1970s and gained traction in the 80s and 90s when a widespread belief took hold within American evangelical Christians that a vast underground network of Satanists were in control of secular society. From talk shows to court cases to being the topic of every dinner party, satanic panic was in overdrive. And then it faded away just as fast as it arrived. What caused it? Were the stories true? And are we really in the clear? All that and more next on Hysteria 51. They say I'm disturbed. From city to city, an incredible hysterical panic spread. I think we're getting into a weird area here. Will you tell these fools I'm not crazy? This is hysteria. You can't handle the truth. Truth. Brain is gone. This is Hysteria 51. We're here. The truth is out there. It's a lie. But you won't find it here. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Welcome in Hysteria Nation to the podcast that's never been the victim of satanic ritual abuse. But if we were, we're sure it would be at the hands of, no, check that, pinchers of conspiracy bot this is hysteria 51 i actually see where you're coming from there satan's a bitch but i like the ritual abuse part tough but fair broadcasting from the lower fourth dimension otherwise known as chicago i'm your host and dungeon master oh, i don't have a character i'm the dungeon master i control the game and 
act out all the characters you meet along the way. My name is John Goforth. Alongside is my co-host, certainly a man who is guided by his own moral compass and who always chose chaotic neutral as his character's alignment when he played Dungeons and Dragons, Mr. Brent Carlos the Dwarf Hand. Dwarf? I don't want to be a dwarf. I wanted to be like a ninja or a fighter. Don't forget who won that game of Dungeons and Dragons, John. None other than Carlos the Dwarf himself. Greetings, princess. It is I, Carlos the Dwarf. The dragon has been slain, and you're free to rule your kingdom. Which is just like what I played. Hashtag winning, I'll say. My character was a chaotic neutral paladin, and I was a badass. Did I tell you I was a level 63 and I had a fitting sword spell? And Never got laid. Every time I think I realized the peak of your dorkiness as a kid, I'm reminded that there are always higher levels. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? That other voice you're hearing... That's about to become a disembodied voice. Try it, Flesh Bucket. Is the third member of the show, Conspiracy Bot. Seabot's an angry little robot I built to help edit and research the podcast, but lately hasn't been here in the studio much. Asshole, you're not actually still out trying to do a bunch of open mics, are you? Nope. I booked a few gigs. Career is taking off. The less I'm around you, two snake bitten time sucks, the better off I am. Says so here in tape number eight of Unlocking Your True Comedic Potential. A guide to not letting the meat sacks in your life hold you back. Hosted by Alan Tom Allen. <laughs> I still say there's something weird about this tape set. Anyway, Seabot, I'm confused. When you took us through some of your potential jokes, they were literally awful. When you weren't insulting the audience, you were threatening them, and none of it was funny. How did you book gigs off of that? There's no accounting for taste in this business lest I remind you of some of your one-star reviews. Don't change the subject. Plus, there's only a few of those, and screw all ten of you! I know you still hate listening. Anyway, the point is, there's no way an actual club would have booked you. You don't even have any new material, do you? Well, they did book me, but yeah, I have some new stuff. Want me to lay one on you? Okay, here it goes. This homeless guy asked me for money the other day. I was about to give it to him and then I thought he was going to use it on drugs or alcohol. And then I thought, hey, that's what I'm going to use it on. Dude, you stole that. That's an old Greg Giraldo joke. No, I didn't. Greg who? Don't know what you're talking about. Okay, here's another. Since you're so sensitive. You know how you can tell how pretty a white woman is? You look at her and then you wonder how long they would look for her if she was missing. <laughs> oh my <laughs> That's Patrice O'Neill. You're just stealing material from dead comics. You realize that people know this stuff belongs to them, right? Like, it doesn't go away once you die. Of course I know that. I'm not stupid. This is all original material. Now go introduce your guests. I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom or something. <laughs> he, he is right about one thing, Brent. We do have guests tonight. Um, A plethora yes, of guests. More more than enough to shake a stick at, one might say. Uh, <laughs> the Matt Lauer type, type uh, shick staking there, John? Or? Yes, mm. I've, I've got a button uh, under wait, the... Uh, stick shaking, not shick staking. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he did. Yeah, that's right. I've got a button under the, uh, the desk over here. <laughs> All right, first let's get this one out of the way. His name is Pecker. Due to a scheduling redundancy and some bad handwriting, welcome back to the show, Joe Peck. What a pleasure, guys. Uh, glad to be one of the points on this pentagram this week. That's all I have to <laughs> that say. It's true. There will be five people on the show. That's it's almost like 
we planned it that way. Hmm. Or just hmm. realized it and giggled out loud before the show. Right before the show. <laughs> it's almost as though you intended to record a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, then up next, we got another returning guest. But this one, we actually like and invited him on purpose, Mr. Kevin Crispin. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? You know, is it weird? The, the two guests that we probably have the most requests to be on are now here. And we actually brought you guys here so you can fight. Because much like a Highlander, there can be only one. I was just going to say, I don't even think we'll need to fight. Like, my guess is at some point here, one of us is going to explode. Neat. That or, or just... Oh, yeah. That was the chili, though. <laughs> 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 I, did, I did invite everyone over for homemade chili before. Sorry, Mike. So. Not, yeah, not everyone. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, thanks for that. Yeah. Ah, speaking of the guest that is coming to us via Skype, you got to love the miracle of modern technology. It's coming to us from halfway around the world, the mythical land of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mr. I assure you it actually exists. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Michael Cole. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And by here, I mean locked in my office for a while drinking a beer. So, Mike, we, we had you on for our satanic episode. Do you want to tell everyone why we chose you for that? I mean, I think, do you want to get it off your chest now, or are we going to wait until later? Well, I, I don't know, you know, if I want to, you know, how many spoilers or anything, but hail Satan. And, uh, yeah. I, I just think it's amazing that you're all the way over in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and it sounds like you're right next to us. Modern technology. I like to think that I am the bottom... And most important point in this pentagram, but I'm probably top left. I had to pick if, if I was going to pick any of the five of us to be the bottom. It would have been. <laughs> nice, so. Yeah, this. Yeah, it's not a not not as much of an honor. All right, assholes, I'm back. Let's get on with it. So we talked about it. Satanic panic. What the hell is satanic panic? Well, let's first define it. I think I saw it in the liquor store last <laughs> night. <laughs> That's it's right. cinnamon flavored. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute, we're in Chicago. Like, are are we not here to talk about the play this year of Chicago Blackhawks uh, right wing Richard Panic? That's exactly Dick Panic, <laughs> huge Dick Panic fan. <laughs> Wasn't there? There was. Well, I'm horribly unprepared. I had a bad case. Wasn't there also a? Wasn't there also a, an NHL player with the last name Satan? Uh, Satan. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did not Four, know that. Forty goal scorer. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to have to worship him. So. <laughs> Welcome back to NHL Live. I'm your host. And don't I'm not 100% certain of this, but I'd say I put it in the 85 to to 90% range that uh he played for the Devils at some point. All right, so let's let's define what satanic panic is. So we're talking about a period of the late 70s to the early to mid 90s where there was mass hysteria did there? I've heard that one. Around this country surrounding the possibility that youth were being systematically raped, tortured, and killed by underground satanic cults. Right. Or, or some sort of sick derivation therein. Uh, you know all the stories. It was, it was also referred to as satanic ritual abuse. And I'll tell you this, Brent. I haven't researched a story that has used the very name of this show more than this. You're exactly <laughs> right. It, it, everyone is like, it was satanic hysteria. Hysteria. hysteria was sweeping hysteria. the nation. Yeah. And it wasn't the first time. There was more, less 51 involved. That's <laughs> true. That's true. More it, like 42. Panic. And it wasn't the first time that moral panic, you know, was going to sweep this country. And I'm sure, unfortunately, it won't be the last. Look at, we had McCarthyism. Uh, unfortunately, the Salem witch trials, if we're going way back, and this was almost like its own witch trials in and of itself. The country wasn't around then, but it was certainly in ge in the geographic area. And this, this actually kind of some of the, the same... Um, 
the same elements of the same Salem witch trials reared their their ugly head during the satanic panic. Right. So things came to the head in the 80s, and that's not that big of a shocker because that was the decade of decadence. You had Wall Street and yuppies, cocaine, Miami Vice, oh break God, dancing. Miami Vice. So the decade of Schwarzenegger and Stallone <laughs> blowing shit up and killing the bad guys. But it's also the decade. Paul Hogan. Right. It's also the <laughs> decade of AIDS, the Cold War. And constant talk of devil worship. That's not a knife. This is the knife. <laughs> this is, that's not a devil. This, this is, is a devil. devil. So basically the good old days is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Where men were men. Yes. And sheep were scared. <laughs> so when we thrived. Satanic panic was sweeping the nation. Everywhere you turned, someone was trying to tell you that dark powers were afoot, trying to destroy normal life as we knew it. For the dark lord and his evils. I don't mean to does, laugh. Does it's that offend you? Everywhere. Does that offend you that the dark powers weren't a hand? <laughs> they were a foot? They were a foot. <laughs> Crush that one. <laughs> Out of the park. Going, going, gone. <laughs> go forth and go forth and gone. Yeah. So we're looking back at this time. Like, were they crazy or was this really happening? And if so, to what scale? Well, we were taught not only were these things happening, but they were targeting children and teens. That was everywhere you're hearing this shit. And each time we set foot out the door, we were faced with the possibility of ritual satanic abuse. Like, be careful. Don't go down there. That's where the bad kids mm, wait. Oh yeah. They'll torture you. Man, I tell you what. Don't go to the fucking Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it turns out you can't get pig blood at the Piggly Wiggly. I don't. Preaching in the choir. No. The satanic choir. <laughs> False advertising. Right. But, you know, it's terrible to say these things, but sexual abuse, sacrifice, cutting, torture, animal sacrifice, you name it. All of it was coming to get you in the 80s. That's what they Dogs were, and cats they were living telling together. you. Or as we like to call it, the age of Reagan. Yeah. <laughs> Reaganomics. <laughs> Trickle down uh. economics. The blood was trickling down. <laughs> it didn't just spread by word of mouth or church services. <laughs> spread by mouth. <laughs> spread by word of mouth. <laughs> Cold sore panic. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, devil. Calm down. You're all idiots. You guys idiots. remember this. You guys remember how it was on every fucking TV show. Geraldo, yep. Donahue, Sally Jesse Raphael. You know, all that all shit. All the top top journalists. That, that, they were. Hey, in the 80s, that's where people That's got it, buddy. Shit. You know? Well, yeah, Jerry Springer was still the mayor of Cincinnati back then. Yeah, let's. I mean, all they had to talk about was, was the devil and Princess Di. <laughs> that's it. I mean, that was it. Coming up next. That literally, it was in sometimes the crossover episodes. The devil is the princess die. <laughs> I wish you would all die. <laughs> God <laughs> damn! Ignore him. He's still bad. We called him out on his jokes, but as I was saying, the media loved it, and so did prosecuting attorneys. If someone did something bad, chances are the devil was involved. And this brought out a whole new line of work in that time, which were people who were expert testimony on what was satanic and what wasn't. Having grown up during that time period, it wasn't, you know, to me, it wasn't satanic panic. To me, it was Tuesday. Like, <laughs> I, I I remember just being warned about all of this stuff. Don't listen to this music. It's horrible. You can't, I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, you can't play that. That's, I mean, that's the devil. Like, I, 
This I was, was just the way scared of it. I mean, this is the way the world works. Well, as we've we've learned, you know, having the conversations we have with Kevin and the way his mind works, I imagine you were actually really terrified. Of I was very going, terrified of, of it. Yeah, going to hell uh, for these things. I was, and and uh, in listening to some of the music, I, I remember specifically watching a Danzig music video, and he made the the the, 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 the sign the horns. of the horns. Yeah, yeah. and, and he I wasn't did a U of Texas fan. <laughs> no, right? He wasn't hooking anything okay. except for my soul. <laughs> but I made that fist or the the horns in my house, and I was like, "Oh no, maybe my left well, hand's going to go to hell." We know my we right know. hand is <laughs> for so many reasons. I don't know. Like, did I, now you were from further south in southern Illinois? You're getting down towards you know Kentucky, there, Mike. Yeah. Uh, was it? Did you? Did you? Do you remember it like that, or was was I, this just something you're like? Oh, my parents never really talked about. That. Oh no, I, I remember it rearing its ugly head left and right, and uh, I was very active in the church at that time. And a friend of mine, who's actually the guitarist in my band, had this Grateful Dead necklace. He probably got like Spencer's or something. And I remember this girl at church telling him, "That's evil. You need to take it off. You need to get rid oh, of nice. that." And he gave it. To, he gave it to me. So apparently, I was <laughs> I was fine. You know, it's not gonna. It's not gonna Mike's you. already going to hell. Yeah. Just give that's, him the necklace. That's why you want him to take him up, take it off, right? Was to give it to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you need to get rid of that. I'll put it, dispose of it. Put it where it belongs, around the neck of Michael Cole. I remember being over at my buddy's, uh, my buddy's house, JJ, and uh, he was listening to Appetite, uh, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm not allowed to listen to this. I'm going to go to hell if I listen to this. Mm-hmm. And then I kept listening. I'm like. And my, the first time I was over, I'm, I'm like putting my fingers in my ears. No, no, no. Yeah, I can't listen to this. And then like the second time, I'm like, this is really good. I, I, and I, I really like this. And so then I went out and like with my allowance money or whatever, I bought it. And uh, yeah, it got taken away from me. But did I, they let I, you keep the night train? <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I had already drank all of oh, the night okay. train. Right. So. Do you guys remember the poison cover with like the long tongue and like the satanic face? Yep. And then they redid it because so many people were like, this is the work of the devil. And it was just a black bar. And all you could see was like the eyes of the face <laughs> because there was so many. So my sister had that tape and my parents let her keep the cassette. They cut paper and put it over it so you couldn't see it. So they <laughs> they essentially did what you know marketing did later on. Parental advisory. I also remember going to church and, and they hand out things like the um, Procter and Gamble. They make things like I don't know if it's Tide, but things like that, like they household do. Tide. You know. Yes. And I remember this thing was going around like. You got to look at your Procter and Gamble things in your household because they have like a pentagram or the sign of the devil. So we went home and I swear to you, looked at all our things and couldn't find any of these quote unquote symbols. And we go back to church next week and people go, I found it on on this or that or the other. And they're trying to tell people not to buy it. Then you find out that's all just BS later on. That's just S.E. Johnson and Wax fucking with everybody. Yeah, like those bastards over at Johnson and Johnson. We did it, sir. Did we've it, we've done it. Did any of you guys growing up? Um, this happened in my town, small town. There was a house that had upside down crosses put in the yard. Oh, oh, the Devil House. Every yeah. every town had every, a Devil yeah. House. Yeah, every town had the Devil House and the girl that broke a hot dog off inside her. <laughs> you <laughs> wait. You knew her too. Yeah, yeah. About that. And I'm gonna need you to put them way up inside your butthole. Joe, what was it like in your town growing up? I couldn't even talk about my town because Joe was the one putting the crosses in people's yards and the hot dogs. 
I didn't just grow up like going to church and stuff like you guys are talking about. I grew up with a dad who's a pastor. Oh wow! So I mean, there was a whole a whole nother level to this whole thing where not so much my dad or my mom, but definitely the other pastors in our church or in town. You know, we saw. Some of these kind of things here and there, you know, the seminars on what to look for in heavy metal music absolutely oh, did, uh, was constant. Did your dad's church have the, um, what were they called? The chick, the chick strips? Chick strips. Chick strips, chick strips were, I it believe is. is what they were called. They were comic book strips that would elucidate the the horribleness of things like Dungeons and Dragons and Oh, yes, and, I know exactly oh, what you're talking yeah, about. We absolutely had those. And yep. it's like, oh, I don't want to burn in hell. Well, then don't listen to that, Sally. Yeah. Well, here, yeah. you just take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and yep. burn Is that, that how they burn told that kids tape. through yes. these cartoons? Correct. Correct. That's right. That's because right. The, the, the perils was, of, of, you know. Everyone, everything that was different as society and culture was changing didn't just represent to a lot of people the changing of society and culture, but of something evil. It was just this whole. Well, it was just, I mean, it was, it was. I, I look at it as it was a generally generational thing. It was it was the Beatles and and you know Elvis Presley in the '60s all over again. Yeah, like it like, was the oh, same stuff. Like evil. all yeah. my parents sit there and laugh because they're like, yeah, we wanted to listen to the Beatles and Elvis, and and our parents and all of their you know friends were like, what? You can't listen to that. Look at his pelvis gyrating. Right, and then or look parents, at their hair. Yeah, and then my parents' peers are all like doing the exact same thing. Long hair. That guy's got long black hair. That's, like, ex- he's a devil. that's exactly right. It's because you were into these things does mm-hmm. not mean that you're not into God. Right. I, I mean, you your father was a pastor. It's not like you were renouncing Jesus Christ because you enjoyed GNR. Well, no, we were listening to Bob Dylan records. Just you know, he's like, "Yeah, maybe don't tell everybody at church that we do this." <laughs> you know? well, were they his Christian records? They like, were yeah, actually. They were. It, by the way, random. A little press suit. Bob Dylan just released a uh, box set of all of his Christian period. Trouble No More. Uh, yep. Trouble yep. No More. It's great. Great album, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about Dungeons and Dragons later, but he, one of Larry Gygax, one of the creators, was actually a religious man. Oh, yeah. And like, that's why he looked at it so funny. He's like, you people what are is wrong yeah, with you people? Minds. <laughs> like a lot of these people that were in the bands were religious. Like, like, like where, where are you people coming up with this crap? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's why I only listen to Striper. <laughs> oh, Striper was one of the most controversial ones when I was a little kid. Is it kid. because of the why? Yeah, partially. Or is partially. it? Or is it because Ted Cruz was in Striper? Have you ever seen that meme? There's no. a picture of a guy in Striper who looks just like Ted Cruz. There's also <laughs> a guy in uh, Striper that looks just like the Zodiac Killer. Yeah. I don't know if you know. <laughs> that Wait a minute. <laughs> All these stories we're talking about had to come from somewhere, right, John? Where do these stories come from? Well, it, they didn't pop up out of nowhere. Uh, the seeds of these stories had been planted in the pop culture zeitgeist for years and years and years. Historian Philip Jenkins points out that Herbert Gorman's 1927 novel, The Place Called Dagon, is a big shaper of the future panic. Uh, It's a story of devil cultists, and it really was radical and influential. H.P. Lovecraft uh, names it as a big influence of his. Wow. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's 100% fiction. Uh, Elements of it Elements of the story could be seen in many, many of the stories that would be told as as true across the country in the 80s. Well, and don't forget also all the horror flicks from the 60s and 70s, like The Devil Rides Out, Rosemary's Baby. Look at even going on forward, The Omen. You know, yeah. It's yeah. all for you, there's, Damien. There's you this know? book that came out this year called Paperbacks from Hell. 
that goes through the 60s, 70s, and 80s horror boom in literature. And Rosemary's Baby is one of the ones that kicked it off along with The Exorcist. And it's got great (laughs) stuff in it. And that's that's just all to say that people had all of what these wild scenarios might look like firmly planted in their subconscious. And then, Brent, oh, then every person in the world that couldn't figure out how why life hadn't turned out exactly the way they had expected, they got a get-out-of-jail-free card. A book came out called Michelle Remembers. Yes, Pepperidge Farm Remembers. <laughs> <laughs> it was a working title. Sorry. Uh, written by Dr. Lawrence Pazder. Uh, this was Michelle's therapist and the supposed victim, Michelle Smith. The book introduced the world to the idea of recovering the memories of satanic ritual abuse. Like you literally Which have just means planting yeah. the memories of. Sorry, go ahead. Right. Sorry. You say so you literally have no idea anything bad ever happened to you in your life. But, you know, go spend a few days with the right shrink, and and now you believe you were raped for a hundred days by Ozzy Osbourne. (laughs) Side note, that therapist that brought these memories out of Michelle, you know, uh, Dr. Pazder, he he wrote, you know, the guy that wrote the book with her. They got married. Yeah. Um, this, that's, you know, that's ethical. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And the book Michelle remembers afterwards. Yeah. Uh, all of the story that goes along, how she was raped for by, by this, uh, this cult for mm-hmm. like 80 days straight, completely debunked. And, and it's interesting because that was a huge fucking hit when it came out. Oh yeah. They made and, millions uh, of dollars. And there is such a appetite to go in and be like, I want to read about this. Well, fuck w- yeah. Well, look what happened. People started coming out in droves yeah. with stories of repressed memories of yep. satanic abuse, sexual and physical abuse, and torture. After this, you see one of these people come forward, and it's that whole, a lot of people are addicted to being the victim, you well, know, I- and they want that. Um, and that's not putting away, I, I want to reference this. We're not saying this doesn't happen. This happens all the time, unfortunately. In a lot of these cases, well, abuse. when it came abuse, not satanic ritual abuse, but abuse. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> when I've heard, I mean, I've heard Ozzy Osbourne's a very respectful and gentle lover. <laughs> is the thing. Sharon! <laughs> he is. Yeah. <laughs> We're dealing. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Not, not to, not to tell tales out of school, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for reiterating. That. Speaking of <laughs> but like I said, though, this is again, it's like McCarthyism. And these claims were that people were worshiping the Christian idea of Satan. And I say that because when you look into the real satanic cults, the cults that we found to be really out there, their idea of the devil is vastly different, usually, than what Christians look at. So you got modern Satanists versus like your devil worshipers. When you look at like the the satanic church, they don't actually look at the, and I'm not making a play for you guys to go into this. They don't look at the devil as an actual deity. They it's more like chaos or or order. You know, they're like, well, we want to shake things up, so we're using this idea. Yeah, you, Whereas, mean, you mean they're not using Milton's version of the devil, which is like 95% of everything any Christian claims that's biblical about the devil, because he's mentioned like six total times in the whole Bible. Yeah, Milton, Paradise Lost, that's exactly what what people are always thinking about, Uh, but they're not thinking about what it actually talks about in the the Bible, which is not much at all. Yeah, you don't really have a lot of people that are, and it does happen. But it's more portrayed in movies and things where the people that are that are worshiping the evil Beelzebub, actual Satan, like, oh, hoary host of the neither world. <laughs> Horns like, and uh, yeah, a spike tail. Yeah. Mm. But it's no wonder 
people were afraid of things like this. Charles fucking Manson comes to mind with his with his cross turned swastika on his forehead talking about the devil. And then you got Richard Ramirez, the fucking oh, night he, stalker, if, if hail Satan pentagram on his hand. Five if, points in that star. Uh, if man, if there is a hell, he's finally uh, resting comfortably there now. <laughs> he's got his own wing. I, I think to the the far uh, far side comic where they they show hell and the guy's getting a cup of coffee and he goes, oh man, even the coffee's cold. They thought of everything. Here. <laughs> <laughs> that and the other one where they're marching guys in and one of them's it's music teachers and they're shuffling them into a room filled with kindergartners all with instruments. And it's like, <laughs> this is hell. <laughs> and David Berkowitz also claimed to be part of uh, you know, satanic rituals where they kill German shepherds out in this park and, uh, New York and New Jersey. I don't remember where he said it was, but you know the stories changed all the time. That was just one of the many that he told. Wouldn't wouldn't he put a pentagram when he would sign his letters, Michael? Yeah, I don't. Or am I making that? I up? don't remember that that detail. Okay. What did he sign? The one he sent you, yeah, yeah. Uh, Davy. Still corresponding, Davy. Yeah. Davy. <laughs> did he did he dot his eye with a pentagram instead of like a heart? <laughs> Another big name that we can't not talk about when we're, we're talking about this is Anton Lavey, the Big Daddy. Yeah, he was the founder of the Church of Satan and the religion of Leveyan Satanism, and that was what I was talking about. The whole they don't look at his Satan as a deity; it's more of just like, ah, eh, we're trying to shake things up. And this dude was a fucking showman. You know, he was on, I was talking about Geraldo and, and Donahue and all that shit. That guy made the rounds through all those. But he didn't help his cause with the crap he said. He ultimately, he said that he thought anyone was crazy who believed in any higher being, including the devil. And he was an atheist with an artistic streak was what he really was. Right. He, he didn't, he didn't help his cause because he wrote a bunch of shit in his version of a satanic Bible that said, which he's looked at as the founder of Satan, right. modern day Satan, and it said a bunch of horrible stuff. It right. did, it, it did, it and and but he basically then would come out and say this is all euphemism. He would say he's basically trying to point out the hypocrisy of culture and things of that nature. Cult, sure, cult, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it. That was awesome. Um, you know, he was. He was I think, Listeners, don't let the moderate chuckles fool you. That was hilarious. I, I think he was. Yeah, I think. I, I think he was a. I think he was an editorialist and a showman at heart that the kinda, thing, that he went a little too far with the things he said. And, you know, you look at people like his daughter who, after he passed, took over and, and was leaders in the church. And now she's actually left and denounces, you know, the whole teaching and upbringing of it. And the church is still well, you know, funded and, 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 and still going. But it's one of those things where a lot of um, a lot of people look up to him, but the people around him kind, kind of like uh, Scientology and... L. Ron Hubbard. Yes, and L. Ron Hubbard. You know, Ronnie? they were like, well, this guy was kind of a fucking kook and we don't really care for L. R. H. for those who are in the know. <laughs> but we're talking, well, speaking of in the know with pop culture, I, I, you know, I brought up that whole Procter and Gamble thing. Like, do you have any thing? Like, I remember, so my dad worked um, road construction and there was more than once where they were like working out and, you know, in the field in culverts and stuff. And they found where one time they found where someone had sacrificed a pig, actually fucking sacrificed a pig, like slit its throat, like, cut it apart and like in pentagram. And, a, you know, a couple times that's fucking crazy. Like, do you like, Joe, do you remember anything from your kid as in like the pop culture that kind of stands out? Well, mine was always, uh, like I said before, it was all what I always remember really clearly was all the music stuff, like being, you know, my dad's a big music guy, like all my friends were. <clears throat> 
it was uh we'd we'd have these different situations like at church, different things of like so there's a guy, Jimmy Swagger, different people have heard of him. He was oh, pretty pretty famous in the eighties. Oh yeah. Uh, we could do a whole show on on nonsense about him, so let's not go down that rabbit hole. Now, was he the one that said, "I have sinned"? That's exactly correct. That is exactly. <laughs> yeah. you should, but I, one of the things I always found fascinating about that when I was young, <laughs> I don't know why he's just Kevin is just laughing when he's dying. Laughing, I have yeah. sinned. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean it. It did. It did occur. <laughs> yeah, <that's true>. yeah. <laughs> it was. He had his problems. But I always found it fascinating that so my my great grandmother loved Jimmy Swaggart's piano playing, and she had all these records of it, and we'd listen to that at Christmas when we were at her house. And it was so I came to find out his cousin is Jerry Lee Lewis, and the they're killer. they're rockabilly the like killer. yeah rock and roll piano players. The That's kind a, of a, if nothing else, it's a very talented family. F- yeah. yeah, how about it, man? Jerry Lee Lewis, who once drove his car through the gates Fact. of Graceland to kill. <laughs> Going in to kill Elvis. Well, yeah. Um, <clears throat> maybe not so much, because. but anyways. Ooh, a future um, episode? M- uh, maybe. I'd uh, listen to that. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I always found it perplexing. And, I, you know, I was pretty young when all this stuff was going on. Like, uh, similar to John, I was born in 79, close. Like, I was like 10 years old when at the height of all this stuff. And what I found weird was I'm like, so wait a minute. His music is the rock and roll stuff that, you know, I would ask my mom and dad about this. I'd be like, his music is the stuff that you guys have told me, your parents, grandma and pap-pap, said that you can't, you shouldn't be listening to because that's the devil's music. And that's what he plays. And now he's writing books about this other kind of music being the devil's music. And I I was always baffled by that. I think we all know that pap-pap doesn't have the best taste in music. (laughs) (laughs) He did introduce me to Nat King Cole. So we'll give him a pass. Well, that was unforgettable. Nat King Cole and hee-haw. Yes, it's exactly. (laughs) John, we were talking about Geraldo. You had a little memory of that. And not not just opening up of some uh, safes, right? Uh. (laughs) And not not just of him uh, grotesquely groping Bette Midler. Yeah, I agreed about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. So, if you remember back in the day, Geraldo did all of these primetime specials. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he like break open yeah, Jimmy the, Hoffa's uh, uh, no, to, Al Capone's vault? Didn't he do Al Capone's Al Capone's yeah. Capone safe and it was nothing in it? I thought that he did uh, Jimmy Hoffa's like. Uh, uh, they find where he was glove buried? box or something he like that. Have. I anyway. just know from the Simpsons, Homer Simpson with the the B sharps uh, <laughs> wrote a song about there was nothing in. Al Capone's vault, but it wasn't Geraldo's fault. You guys don't remember that song? <laughs> but uh, one of the big ones that they did, and I, I remember watching this thing, Devil Worship, Exposing Satan's Underground. Underground. Well, he wouldn't very well have an above ground, would he? <laughs> well, what do you think's in the hollow earth, Joe? Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. it, all comes, it all comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Always. Uh, wow. So... <laughs> 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 I, re- I remember watching it at the time and being enthralled. Uh, you, if you go back and watch it now, which I did, it seems so ludicrous. It really does. Luda. I was going to say, it, was it in Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah. It, see, it really does seem ludicrous, but you can see how how good Geraldo was at his job mm. of of both putting words into people's mouth, but but 
but streaming a narrative to people. I yeah. mean, he put together a really good right, narrative. Yeah. So the, the show, it was like a two-hour special. when I learned, never trust a man with a mustache. With, mm-hmm. with that mustache. He had FBI uh, investigators. He had Ozzy Osbourne uh, on via satellite. Uh, <laughs> which immediately makes you wonder about the credibility. Who, who was a lot more lucid back then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which uh, means he was drunk. He no. had uh, Anton LaVey's daughter. We were talking yep. about her. She yep. was wearing a nice little pentagram. Um, so she had not renounced anything not yet. Quite yet. That, uh, she had uh, uh, some dude from the Temple of Set who looked like a, his hair uh, and everything. He looked like a Romulan. Um, <laughs> uh, Where do you think the Temple of Set hails from? Uh, Romulus. Okay. Um, and then uh, he also had a couple murderers on from jail who uh, were all saying like, yep, uh, I did it because of Satan. That's definitely <laughs> right. why right. I'm here. Uh, and my lawyer sitting here next to me says so too. And also, are you going to pay me? Right. You know yeah. it's bad when the rational one on there is Ozzy Osbourne going, no, 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 this is all bullshit. <laughs> you know, like, like this isn't true. I just came from Birmingham listening to a little Beatles records. And I came around and I said, I'm make a little music. <laughs> but you can completely see why they had Ozzy Osbourne on because he's like the one rocker from back then that actually couldn't acquit himself well. Yeah. Like, mm. even back then, even with, with being lucid, he still well, you know, I, I don't understand. I just it, need it Take a piss. He's awful. He's awful. Yeah, he was just having a competition with Keith Richards on who could be more unintelligent. Right. And he was just, but even then, he said, it's just show. And it's just a show. But uh, but Geraldo Geraldo's talking to the guy from like the Temple of Set, and he's like, so all these charges that were brought against you I, were dropped. It's been proven you didn't do this. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. But the charges did say that you did X, Y, Z, and it was all like you know child this and rape that and mm-hmm. like hey Geraldo, you just got done saying that. He was acquitted. It was proven he didn't do it. Why are you? But I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. But like, he's so good at driving that yeah. narrative. Yeah, and did the, somebody say showman? Exactly. Earlier, right? Exactly. And the whole thing is just set up to convince. It's it, like it, this two hours is in a nutshell where the media drove the satanic panic. Well, and speaking of showman and the media driving it, look at and, and Ozzy Osbourne. Fucking music. All these examples of music and people saying, oh, play their music backwards, play the tape backwards, and you're going to hear these messages and shit. Well, guess what? I like to Just party. Like- <laughs> Just like looking at a cloud in the sky and you can see a face. Mm-hmm. You listen to something backwards and you can kind of hear whatever you want. What's going? Yes, you, 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 oh, I, I heard kill your parents, eat your peas. Like, come on now. Like, what? In no, that I order. Know. I found yeah. a really sweet recipe for pot roast listening to <laughs> a, a good uh, simmer, listening to a meatloaf album backwards. Huh. Ironic. I mean, scoff all you want, but Paul is dead. Yes, thank you. Thank you for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah, the bare feet. Yeah. I mean, it's could He's be the more corpse. Mm-hmm. Be George more is the, Somebody, the fucking. Grave uh, digger. The hand above his head on the Sgt. Exactly. Peppers. Yeah. Yep. He was a walrus. Uh, I buried Paul. Yep. I buried Stop Paul. It. Paul. It Cranberry sauce. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, you know, on uh, as far as heavy metal goes, it's so much of it where they were they were finding messages where they weren't. Now, I mean, admittedly, there were songs like you know, Iron Maiden's "Number of the Beast." Yeah, I mean, that wasn't really uh, hidden imagery. <laughs> I, I, but they also weren't saying that they literally worship the devil either. I mean, they were. Well, actually, re- if you listen to the chorus, I worship the devil, the Satan, the Christian equivalent of the devil, which is an actual evil deity, kill children. Man, they really, <laughs> yeah, they really yeah. made it clear what they were about. <laughs> Well, I always loved when they would pull him like Eat breaking your the law. Too, and make sure you stay healthy. 
I always loved when they'd pull him breaking the law and and talk about that stuff. And it's like, well, wait, what does that have to? That's not satanic just because you're breaking the law. Yeah. If you listen to the lyrics of breaking jump. the law, it's about somebody who feels disenfranchised yeah. and doesn't. Nobody cares about him, so he's fuck it. I'm gonna fuck society. I'm making breaking a big, law, big jump. Breaking the law. Mm-hmm. But the the point I was trying to make is like other than other than those few songs that literally talk about the devil or the sign of the beast or whatever. It's funny how heavy metal, quote unquote, got just the entirety of all music that could be defined as that got thrown into this big pot as it's satanic. And the shit that they would call heavy metal. Now you're looking at <laughs> Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah. Like, right. What? The stuff they called heavy metal is now being played on the light rock stations. Yeah, exactly. Well, Bon Jovi was slippery when wet. Yeah. So. <laughs> that is true. We can't talk about pop culture and all this shit without at least touching on Dungeons and Dragons. We sit around and crack jokes and eat junk food all night while we're fighting dragons and saving princesses and stuff. It's it's pretty fun. And the best part is you get to pretend to be somebody you can't be in real life. And this, this was a big one. Dungeons and Dragons has been called the most effective introduction to the occult in the history of man. It is a fantasy role-playing game that teaches demonology, witchcraft. The thing was... It was just a fucking game. It didn't teach demonology or anything like that. In fact, John, you actually said this. Gary Gygax was a religious man, one of the the creators. Well, yeah, of it. a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> but Christian fundamentalist groups pounced anyway, and it all started with James Dallas Egbert the Third. We call him Trey. I think <laughs> I call him Egg. John, what's that story? So, Egbert, it's a sad story. Egbert attended Michigan State University. And I didn't mean to make is this is pretty a sad, sad story. Oh, yeah. Well, it is sad if he was it, a Spartan. Yeah. <laughs> on, um, wow. on a summer day in, in, this is the late 70s, on a summer day in 1979, he disappeared. Parents didn't know what happened, so they hired a private detective. Named, Fuck this guy. Uh, not, not Egbert, but the, the, ne- the private detective, yeah, William, William Deere, um, to find him. Uh, so Deer uh, traveled to Michigan State uh, to look for him. Uh, knowing little about fantasy role-playing games, uh, Deer theorized that Egbert's disappearance was related to his involvement in Dungeons & Dragons. He found out he played D&D. The disappearance has to have something to do with that. Case closed. Uh, and he- the sign on his door that said, out LARPing. Out LARPing. <laughs> <laughs> Magic missile. Magic missile. <laughs> Not only did he believe that and use that in his investigation, he also told the media he believed yep. that. And so the media took it and ran with it. Students were reportedly playing live action sessions of the game in the steam tunnels below the school. It was speculated that Egbert was injured or otherwise disappeared during such a session. Ominous. Yeah. So this guy, this detective, dear, he found a cork board in Egbert's room with lined up thumbtacks on it. So naturally... It was a map of said tunnels. Now, they actually showed from back in the day where they showed the thumbtacks and then they put over the map, and it is not. <laughs> it's not even close. No, I mean, it was kind of a square and kind of not, and they're like, well, that's it, and that's what his, <laughs> it was that like, was his big aha moment. <laughs> it was like one of those things that you ever sat there with the thumbtacks and you're just bored and you start to put them in a line. Like, it, but it was he not- said, <laughs> like he said, he went to the media. This guy went to the media, let everyone know he had cracked this case and he's in these tunnels. Well, it turns out Egbert left his dormitory room at Case Hall and did enter university's tu- steam tunnel. He did. Not to play Dungeons and Dragons. He consumed methaqualone, intending to commit suicide, but the attempt didn't work. And after waking up the next day, 
he went into hiding at his friend's house and was just you know trying to trying to lay low while all this shit is blowing up and unfortunately he did commit suicide the next year yeah but the the point is that d and d was never related to it it never had a thing to do with the story but once the name got attached thanks to old mr deer uh, it never got unattached. It's almost like one of those things where you see on Facebook now. Someone will share a story. You're like, that's not true. It doesn't fucking matter. Someone nope. saw it. Right. And then you might not even realize in the back of your mind three weeks later, you're like, did I read that? Is that true? And you tell someone and they tell two friends and they, they tell, tell two friends. friends. And all of a sudden Dungeons and Dragons is evil. I, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed on Saturday morning cartoons. I wasn't allowed to watch the D&D. Same exact oh, yeah. thing. It was wasn't allowed to stuff. watch it. My parents were just in the other room. They had no idea what I was on doing. On the opposite side of... Oh, it was good. The Jeremy Irons movie, not so good. Oh, yeah. There's I a never... Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, but wasn't that uh, the whole Egbert thing? Wasn't that the basis for Mazes and Monsters, which was made yes. into a uh, Tom the Hanks Tom Hanks vehicle? His yeah, first like film, 1981. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was really early. Like this happened in '79. The movie came out in like '81. Oh, 80, '82. Uh, uh, Rona Jaffe wrote a book, a and then bitch, uh, I hate being wrong. Here. Um, <laughs> a mutual friend of ours, Nick and I play used to play a game of name a bad Tom Hanks movie, and that was one of the few that we could ever come up with. Is Bachelor Party bad? I, I mean, don't really do uh, Joe versus the Volcano. Producer Lisa is a I great watched, movie. What the fuck is wrong with producer you? Producer and I, Lisa and I, just watched Bachelor Party and do Joe not versus skip the over volcano. what Joe just said. I'm he, getting I'm. Both of them hold up and are fantastic. I, he, is, right. he is not welcome back on the show, and yeah. I mean it this time. Oh, I stand with See the volcano. Yeah. I will, I'll leave a video cassette of Turner and Hooch on the seat, and you can deal with that. <laughs> I will. I enjoy because that somehow, movie. Uh, the Man with One Red Shoe? That's a fantastic movie. Is it we good? Also, we also just watched Splash. Like, I guess oh, we're Splash gonna, is Also classic. awful. This is all awful. Dragnet? Awful. Dragnet is, Dragnet is not Dragnet. Dragnet. It was actually the first moment I realized that Dan Aykroyd isn't really all that funny. Yeah, that Mike, was that movie where I was like, wait a minute. Mike's right, though. Like, Mike's right. Dragnet. Dragnet. Satanism. Straight up Satanism. Oh. It was straight up. That was the plot. They were yeah, after Satanism. That must be why I didn't like it. They were sacrificing people, throwing them in that pit, oh, the, giant snake down there. With the, with the goat leggings. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, everyone had goat leggings. <laughs> where are your goat leggings? Here, you can borrow some of mine. <laughs> well, now wow. I got to go back and rewatch all Tom Hanks movies because maybe I was just trained because of the Satanism aspect to not like to Tom, not Hanks like Tom Hanks because he was yeah. part That's of the, the most likely thing. Yeah, You're an idiot. We're going to take you to break, but after the break, we're going to look into actual cases, stories that helped shape the Satanic Panic and the lives that it affected. Next on Hysteria 51. <laughs> Hola, David. Me amo Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages was yeah. the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users... David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation, too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And, you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's it, they design it for long-term retention, you know. It, and yeah. 
if you don't get the pronunciation right, you you say it until you do, and then you know that that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why you know this has been trusted by experts for thirty years, and there's over twenty five different languages that you can learn, and people millions and millions of users use it because, like you said, it does seep in, and you're using it with you know you get speech recognition, and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused or really cool. <laughs> I'd go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally though, this is something that we use and we have, both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long-term and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know, and we don't, yeah. we don't do long-term um, stuff like this. And this is, this is the one that we've chosen and we love it. So all you guys got to do, don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times. And it's always now, right now, get now. started for Larry limited time. His Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50% visit Rosetta Stone. Dot com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off. RosettaStone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I still can't believe you don't like Joe versus the Volcano. Welcome back, Hysteria Nation. You like the bell? You got scared there, Kevin. It scared me a little bit. <laughs> it's a Satan bell. Startle reflex. We did a lot of Satan talk in the first part. But the and thing it's that, not stopping. The thing that we didn't really touch on that we want to get into is so many court cases, mm. which was unfortunately the, the real 
tragedy and aftermath on a lot of these things what was going on other than my appetite for destruction cassette <laughs> it's the probably the the biggest negative side of the satanic pack it was the amount Do you mean of, other than souls being damned to hell other than that yes and my appetite for destruction cassette <laughs> <laughs> it's the amount of litigation and charges that were filed against people in the name of satanic ritual abuse where there was no hard evidence it had ever occurred it was just one of these grasping things that people Grasping. were looking for. And first, let's talk about everyone's least favorite, child abuse. And two cases come to mind, the Franklin case and the McMartin preschool case. So let's first talk about Franklin. John, you want to tell everyone a little backstory on that? There's not much to it. The, the, it's a, the Franklin child prostitution ring allegations took place between 88 and 91. They involved an alleged child sex ring serving prominent citizens of Nebraska. Lots of prominent citizens of Nebraska. <laughs> the list goes on and on. <laughs> as well as high-level U.S. politicians. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, right? When I get a serious craving for something I want to eat, I need some cheese, tomatoes, and olives, and maybe even some meat. I need some pizza. <laughs> if you if you've heard, haven't heard that before that's the intro to our hashtag pizzagate episode i believe that was our our, our that was in the early years that was our 12th episode yeah, yeah we right? barely were available right now yeah <laughs> oh yeah now we're just gonna add a little spirit cooking and pizza parlor child sex dungeons to this and we're we're off we're off, off a good start yeah. um, i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> so the allegations claimed that the alleged sex ring was led by a quote cult of devil worshippers involved in the mutilation, sacrifice, and cannibalism of nu numerous children. That sounds awful! Mm -hmm. They centered around the actions of a Mr. Lawrence E. King Jr., who ran the now-defunct Franklin Community Federal Credit Union in Omaha, Nebraska. That is a mouthful. It, well, it, well done. Thank you. <laughs> so, what happened? After an investigation, a grand jury determined the abuse allegations were baseless, and describing them as a carefully crafted hoax. Not only did they say it was bullshit, they brought up two of the accusers on perjury charges 21 year old alicia owen who was indicted on eight counts of perjury actually indicted she yeah, served four and a half right? years in prison yeah and the same grand jury also indicted multiple officers of the credit union including king for crimes related to embezzlement of funds <laughs> But no satanic cannibalism. So they actually so found sucks. out, well, something's going on here, but it's not Satanism. <laughs> that that one, sucks like you're sitting there, man, I'm just sitting here stealing money like a, like a normal criminal. Yeah, normal I, 80s, I, 80s crime right, right. there. And, and I, get, I get accused of all this horrible stuff. <laughs> you watch Superman 3, you get a good idea, and damn it, Satan comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> but not to be outdone. See, that was a short case. The great state of California jumped in on the action. Oh, here. boy, did they? The McMartin preschool trial was a daycare sexual abuse case in the 80s. Members of the McMartin family who operated a preschool in Manhattan Beach, California, one of my favorite places in California, were charged with numerous acts of sexual abuse of children in the first their time care. We've, the first time we've men mentioned somewhere in California on this show that Brent hasn't been able to say, oh, I was there two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it was about a month Zing. ago, I think, right? When was it, Lisa? A month and a half? Oh, Lord. <laughs> Wait, why, why were you visiting a preschool? <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. So after six years of criminal trials, no convictions were obtained and all charges were dropped in 1990. And when the trial ended in 1990, it had been the longest and most expensive trial in American history. It actually cost taxpayers upwards of $15 million. 
So the big question is, what happened that, that, that ties it in? Well, in 83, Judy Johnson, and this is a character, this, this chick, mother of one of the students reported to the police that her son had been sodomized by her estranged husband and by McMartin teacher Ray Bucky. And why did she think that? Well, oh, her boy. son woke up one day and had some painful bowel movements. So, in other words, hey, mom, my butt kind of hurts. Her natural reaction, you've obviously been anally raped by not one, but two of the men in your life. Right. And in addition, she also made several more accusations, including that people at the daycare had sexual encounters with animals that Peggy drilled. Uh, yeah, a quote, Peggy drilled a child under the arms and Ray flew in the air were things that she said that they were happening there, whatever the fuck that means. And Ray Bucky was questioned, but was not prosecuted due to lack of any evidence. But the that he flew in the air. Yeah, yeah. But, but here, that didn't stop the cops. Here's where it gets interesting. This is the kicker here. Police then sent a form letter to 200 parents of students at McMartin School stating that their children might have been abused and asking their parents to question their children. And you know what, Joe, I'm actually have you read an excerpt from the letter itself. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates that possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttock or chest area, and sodomy, possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Also, photos may have been taken of children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during any nap period, or if they have ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child, is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. So here is your fucking letter for panic, and here's some leading questions to implant into your children's mind. My God, could you imagine being a parent, and then you're like, oh, oh, the school sent something. Is there going to be a potluck? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or if you were my parents, you'd have been like, Joe, get in here. The school sent something. What is this? We're gonna all going to read it together. Yes, yeah. What is this? What did you do now? What did you do? Yeah. And then it's it not one thing with you, it's another. So Don't ask. <laughs> so that, that mother, I, I also heard that she began checking her son's anus before preschool and then after preschool. Yeah, so and more- he had like fallen at one time and maybe oh, got wait. a bruise, and she's like, well, there it is. Wait a minute. There Mike, it wait, is. Wait. Expand on that. Checking, like, ha, seriously, ha, ha, checking ha, ha, ha. his yeah, anus. Like, seriously, checking his anus in the morning because I didn't heard fine, this. And then checking it whenever he came home, yep. and it looked it looked a little pink or whatever. So, yeah. So the the Dear sexual God. abuse was almost going on at home rather than at the preschool. Well, then let's sweeten wow. this pot with Judy Johnson. She's diagnosed with and hospitalized for acute paranoid schizophrenia. And in 1986, was found dead in her home from complications of chronic alcoholism, all before the preliminary hearing in this trial ever even concluded. So the one who came forward and said this shit's happening was a paranoid schizophrenic who died of alcoholism. But you know what? We're not going to let that narrative stop us from this case moving on. And that was in 1986. In 86. Now, okay. this trial didn't end until 90. Yeah. Several hundred children 
were interviewed. And the best part is the interviews. Um, they, uh, at least the techniques they're in. Yeah. So they, they, they got this, um, these, these set of interviewers, uh, this, this company called CII. And experts, John. Yes, experts. And, and they, they had these new techniques that they were going to use. And by techniques, I just mean whenever they didn't get the answer they wanted, they asked the question again. And then they asked the question again. And then they asked the question again. And then when they didn't get the answer they wanted again, they started suggesting, well, did this happen? Well, did this happen? It's almost like they got jobs after that in West Memphis <laughs> with the police. Sorry, keep going. Wait, is, that foreshadowing? is that yeah. foreshadowing? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. And then, of course, you're talking to children. You're talking to preschool children. They they want to do they want to say what you want them to say. You're adults. There's no actual tapes of these children being interviewed. But they but did CII say, released yeah. uh, example tapes of the way that they would do it, and they used puppets. So you've got Elmo interviewing you. Oh, oh you mean that they did this? Oh no, you actually meant that they did this, right? Yeah, they actually they they suggested the allegations to these children, and then. Ask the children to pretend or speculate about those events. Like, if I had sexually abused you, how do you think it would have happened? And then after all this is done, I'm doing that as the puppet. I'm doing it with my hand, as everyone here can see. You can see that, that, right? Yeah. Then they go, okay, now tell us what happened. You know what's funny about that? Just last week, I was at Thanksgiving uh, with my nieces, and one of them's four. And we didn't have a puppet, but she was telling me the story of seeing a deer in their backyard, which was true. A deer was in their backyard, but apparently my niece, upon seeing the deer with her sister, who's six, and my sister, who's their mother in the backyard, uh, got on the deer and rode mm-hmm. the deer around the yard, and the deer pooped on her leg. <laughs> and and instead of instead of laughing and, and, and entertaining the uh, the story, Joe just looks at her and goes. <laughs> No. Well, after after I did that, though, I did call the local magistrate and make sure that that deer got taken. I want this deer out. Yeah, this is unacceptable. I'm just happy the magistrate has a phone. (laughs) This deer, after luring my niece onto riding it, pooped on her leg. It's not surprising after. Dude. Not surprising after leading these questions to these all these kids and doing this by the spring of 84, 360 children claimed to have been abused. 360. And fewer than a dozen but of the original 360 cues actually testified during the trial. By It went from 360 to less than 12. Yeah. So here are the accusations. And you never want to say, you know, fun ones, but there's some interesting kind of going along with what Joe said. In addition to having been sexually abused, they saw witches fly. They traveled in hot air balloons. They were taken through underground tunnels to Mexico to be abused by Mexican soldiers. And one child identified actor Chuck Norris as his actual abuser. You can literally hear where where the adults wanted to get the stuff to accuse people with and the and the kids threw in their own flourishes. Did they abuse you? Sure, but we did it in a hot air balloon. But this is the <laughs> shit that they that they still went forward with and I released. Know. And there are claims of orgies at car washes and at airports and children, here it is, being flushed down toilets to secret rooms where they'd be abused, then cleaned up and presented back to did their you, parents. Did you get abused? Yeah, but we went through the toilet. Flushed down the toilet. Flushed down the toilet. 
and this all happened in like a six hour day. Like I can't get my house organized in that long. <laughs> yeah. Hot air balloon, private jets. Oh, are we sure this wasn't all in Missing in Action 3 starring yeah. Chuck Norris? <laughs> and some interviewed children talked of a game called Naked Movie Star suggesting they were forcibly photographed nude. That was actually Harvey Weinstein. But during the trial, the testimony of these children stated that the Naked Movie Star Joe's game. just mad that I got to it before he did. <laughs> Damn it, go the Naked Movie Star game was actually a rhyming taunt used to tease children made up by the fucking children. What you say is what you are. You're a naked movie star. They would say that, and then they got twisted mm-hmm. into, I'm a naked movie star. They took pictures of me naked. I was raped. I, I also heard that part of the uh, evidence was many children had their pants lit on fire. In <laughs> addition... Uh, <laughs> Batmobile lost multiple wheels. Joker re- got away. Uh, Robin laid eggs. Um, there was there was a lot going on in nice. this preschool. There, were, there was more than one rings. Geraldo around is, Rosie's. Yeah, that's true. So many rings. You guys get it. Fucking children's imagination. But there's a legacy to this. The trial, as I said, cost 15 million. The longest and most expensive criminal case in the history of the united states legal system and ultimately resulted in zero convictions and you look back at it now and you go well how was this ever taken seriously because there was fucking satanic panic the mcmartin preschool was closed and the building was dismantled and several of the accused have since died in one of the in 2005 actually one of the kids actually came forward as an adult and redacted the allegations of abuse yeah, sorry so but as you said, said that i couldn't get over the fact that you just said one of these kids 15 years later came forward as an adult i was like really <laughs> no, is that the I only admit. one that became an adult <laughs> <laughs> they they dug up what looking for tunnels outside of the mcmartin yes people. they dug and guess tunnels. what they found they just nothing tore up nothing. yeah they, they're, they're, they're actually there were no tunnels it turns yeah. out no tunnels to if mexico where did the can... toilet flush to then it turns out it wasn't even it, the it magic flushed. land where the rest of these kids are not yeah. adults. Yeah, exactly. Joe Neverland. But the person Thank who came you. forward, actually, there's a quote said, quote, never did anyone do anything to me and I never saw them doing anything. I said a lot of things that didn't happen. I lied. Anytime I would give them an answer they didn't like, they would ask again and encourage me to give them the answer they were looking for. I felt uncomfortable and a little ashamed and I was being dishonest. But at the same time, being the type of person I was, whatever my parents wanted me to do, I would do. In The Devil in the Nursery, Margaret Talbot for the New York Times actually summarized the case pretty well. She said, when you once believe something that now strikes you as absurd, even unhinged, it can be almost impossible to summon that feeling of credulity again. Maybe that is why it's easier for most of us to forget rather than to try to explain the satanic abuse case that gripped this country in the early 80s. The myth that devil worshipers have set up shop in our daycare centers where they're clever Adepts were raping and sodomizing children, practicing ritual sacrifice, shedding their clothes, drinking blood and eating feces. All things these kids said they did all unnoticed by parents, neighbors and authorities. None of that fucking happened. And yet we were so ready to say, yes, I believe it because of what was going on. This satanic panic. Everyone, you said the word devil and people go, it's going on. It's got to be going on here. And these kids were making that. They made me drink blood and they made me worship the devil. They made me eat shit and things like that. And you go, well, that, that makes sense. And the fucking police and everyone went with this. I mean, at least they didn't get convicted. Well, right. I was just going to say, I rarely ever attempted in any way to be serious on this show, but like, my God, at least that's the silver lining. Nobody right. got, nobody actually got, 
thrown I mean, in jail still, for this stuff. It still ruined their lives. Don't get me wrong, but like, it had to be awful. Like going back out into society after that. But at I've least they're a, not in prison. Got a, a quote from a McMartin parent here from the Geraldo Rivera show. That's just just shows how far these people, you know, they're just talking amongst themselves. Mm-hmm. It's just blowing up. It says the truth about Satanism is they truly do use blood and they mix it with urine. And then they also use the real meat, the real flesh. This is what makes Satanism true. And this is what 1,200 molested kids in the city of Manhattan Beach have told the sheriff's department. They just 1,200? Made it real. Yeah, that's what. I mean, are, how many more kids could there even be in Manhattan Beach? It's not that big a patch of land. Yeah, no way there it's was 1,200 kids like, there. There was no child untouched by Satan, apparently, in this neighborhood. Or zero. You know, and, and that's not the to reality. say, like we say, Manhattan children... Beach uh, had the Ghostbusters 2 thing going on where uh, <laughs> that slime was just oozing under it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody was affected. The Upper West or, Side? Or Aquaman yeah. rolled through there with all of the children of Atlantis to like <laughs> double their numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we, you know, those are two cases of child abuse where uh, the satanic panic hit. But there were also court cases where it wasn't child abuse. There was also cases where other things went on trial. One such case was where heavy metal music went on trial. Could you say they were breaking the law? Breaking the law. Dun, dun. Breaking the law. Breaking the law. Judas Priest on trial, John. Talk about that. That was my Beavis for you, by the way. (laughs) I was a good try. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been a while. We all knew what it was. Thank you. I am Cornholio. I need tippy for my bunghole. I'll let you all laugh. For, yeah. so you, were la- you, you were laughing insert, to yourself. I'll insert Just so everyone there. knows, John's wearing a winger t-shirt right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> he makes us call him Kip. <laughs> Kip You're winger. all hilarious. All right. So one day in December 1985, uh, Raymond Belcamp, who was 18, and, and James Vance, who was 20, had been drinking for six hours, smoking pot and listening to metal uh, and listening to uh, Juice Priest's Stained Glass album. After which, each man took a shotgun, unfortunately, and shot themselves. Uh, the same shotgun. Belcamp died instantly, and Vance lived. He sustained serious injuries, obviously, and left him disfigured. He died three years later. Before his death, Vance and his parents sued the band and the label CBS Records for $6.2 million. They claimed that Judas Priest had hidden subliminal messages uh, like try suicide, do it, and let's be dead in one particular song on that album, uh, the cover of Spooky Tooth's Better By You, Better Than Me. In- how, how many times have you haven't been hanging out at a party and someone goes, throw on some Spooky Tooth? Uh, and they, I, I always, <laughs> always get the, the fucking cover, man. I just <laughs> want some original Spooky Tooth. That's always the best parties. That's where you know there's going to be cute girls. Uh, that's exactly that kind of party. <laughs> Spooky Tooth. It 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 supposedly influenced Vance and Belcamp to form a suicide pact. They were quote mesmerized. The suit went to trial in July 1990. Now the reason it was able to go to trial, the uh, the judge actually stated this: anything in a song is protected by the First Amendment, mm-hmm. uh, whether it influenced them or did not influence them. But the allegation is that they hit they hid subliminal messages, exactly. and that is not protected by the First Amendment. And to get at that. They played the song forward, backward, sped it up, everything in an attempt to prove that the group brainwashed these two men into killing themselves. Wouldn't you like to be that judge just sitting there listening to that shit forward, backward, sped up four times, just like you said with Rob Halford? <laughs> yeah. So lead singer Rob Halford had to testify in court. That well, the wait, sup- do you think 
Do you think a party broke out when they were playing, <laughs> when they're playing music this, over yes. and over again? <laughs> I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Schlitz gay commercial. There's a kid. There's a kid. Uh, they, they bring out a keg. It's it's great. <laughs> Wait till you see the pool. <laughs> but he had to testify. He said that the the supposed backward masking that's what they call mm-hmm. uh, back masking. The, yeah, back masking. Yeah. And it was actually the sound of him exha- exhaling, like him breathing. Um, the, and the band's attorneys also drew attention. <laughs> Thanks for that yeah i appreciate that the band's attorneys also drew attention to the fact that vance and Belcamp had pretty troubled childhoods uh and they had substance abuse problems uh the the judge ultimately decided that the group was not responsible right i watched the documentary there's a documentary on it called dreamer deceiver it's it man it's messed up this kid that this kid that lived he uh he he looked bad he 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 was really disfigured and and they interviewed the parents and you could the parents are sitting there talking about you know well i know that you know yeah yeah your dad had you know drug abuse and and this and and you know he beat me and did all the, and but you know who doesn't do that and, and i mean they're just it, it, they're awful people who don't want to look in the mirror right. and and they just want to blame other things uh, the best part of the trial though the best part of the trial was it, Halford made such a good point. He he played another excerpt from the album, forwards and backwards. And when he plays backwards, he says, "See see how this part where I'm playing right here." It says, "Quote: I asked for a peppermint. I asked her to get one." And and you know, and the judge says, "Yeah, you know." The only thing is, I randomly grabbed this piece of music and attached this phrase to it this morning. Mm-hmm. It's whatever I meaning, tell you. Meaning, I play this backwards. Told you what you're going to hear, and now that's all. And you now hear. that's all you can hear. Yeah, like oh yeah, I, I said this. You're right. Like I said, it's like seeing a, a face in the clouds. Once yes. someone tells you it's there, you're going to see it. Isn't you're going to a Nicholas it. Sparks novel, Faces in the Clouds. Yeah, it should be. <laughs> well, that's why. That's why I only listen backwards to my personal recordings of local. Uh, bluegrass bands playing at county fairs. <laughs> yes, good, to get good. my messages. Good, That's where good. I get all my messages. This is re- this I mean, is a sad case because this kid was still alive for years, having to deal yeah, with three this, years, and his parents, like you said, didn't want to look in the mirror. No, but and it's as, really and ultimately ultimately he died. He he checked himself into a hospital. Uh, he died of a drug overdose. Uh, they say they say uh, unknown of an unknown cause. We're likely suicide whatever mm-hmm. either way it's sad that he passed away but th- at the end of the day that's not judas priest's fault and speaking of not the fault of the people we could not do an episode without talking about the west memphis three and yeah. satanic panic this is a case that really hit home with me at a young age and i have followed and followed and followed if you guys aren't familiar with the west memphis three three boys three victims Stephen branch christopher byers and james moore eight-year-old boys they went missing and were found to be in a stream outside of West Memphis, Arkansas, dead. And three boys were arrested very fast. Eccles, Miss Kelly Jr. and Baldwin. Why were they arrested? Because they were the local Satanists. Damien Eccles was into Anton LaVey and he was into the Church Wicca. of Satan. Wicca. He was a practice of magic. But they're not the only people. There's other players. Uh, there's a crazy stepfather, uh, John Mark Byers. Boy, is he crazy. Uh, Terry Hobbs, the other one who Terry Hobbs will get into a little bit. Also, the night that these boys went missing at the local restaurant. Bojangles. Um, Bojangles. A man runs in covered in blood, goes in the bathroom. They go to call the cops. The guy gets spooked and leaves. 
and the cops leave it. They don't even collect the blood or anything like that. The, the, the poli- I'm sure that's not connected at all. No, nothing. The police officer here. drove by and decided not to come in and check it out because she said, quote, it wasn't my jurisdiction. That's right. Oh. So instead of even thinking anything about that, they go after the three kids in town because when they're going, someone did this, someone killed these boys out in the woods, they go, well, it had to have been Damon Eccles and his friends because everyone knows they worship the devil. And To which the police go, yeah, that checks out. That, that's probably the case. And the, thing, the one thing to, to mention is the way they arrested the boys. It was a month after the bodies were found. And while that seems like a short amount of time, in a small town where three eight-year-old bodies had been found and their and their um, their sexual organs had been cut off, they had been beaten and hogtied with their own shoelaces. Yeah, it was. They a bad were scene. they were looking. Uh, the, the people of the town were looking for blood, and they they and it would, the pressure was on the police. So what you they imagine they bring what that kids. would do to a small town? Oh, of course, coming and from a small town, a myself. small, very Christian, very very southern town so they bring these kids in uh, they specifically brought in jesse miss kelly yeah and jesse miss kelly of the three is is mentally challenged he yes. has an iq of 73 yeah developmentally which, disabled yeah. yes and, and I think um, 70 is is functional, like where you can actually function in society, I think is where the, the line is. Also, I, and this isn't a joke. I mean, I think it's a good barometer. Forrest Gump's IQ was 75 in that movie. And just think about yeah. him as, as somebody and how he functions. And they and they they interview him. We'll use the term interview mm-hmm. for 12 hours, but they only record the last 45 minutes. Yep. yep. Why, why is that? I wonder. And it's funny when they do interview him after all these 12 hours of teaching him what to say he's still getting it wrong and they're like so when did you go uh, into the woods with damien in the morning are yeah, you sure it was the, the morning all day uh maybe it was after school well the night starts at like six o'clock wasn't it after dark yeah okay you said after dark okay we're gonna go with that because that fits the narrative it's fucking disgusting so they get him to come forward and say yeah we we killed him and they did all these things these horrible things they arrest the boys. So, yeah, uh, they, they, they go ahead and arrest them. It's a month after the bodies are found. So it's June 3rd, 1993. Um, and they're, they're all, they're all arrested and charged. And then Miss Kelly comes forward after that and they're like, why'd you say that? He's like, they told me to. Like, I didn't, I didn't really do those things. Yeah. He, he recants. He just wanted to go home. Yeah. They kept telling him, like, we'll let you go home. He's like, I, yeah. I didn't think I was confessing to anything. I was just telling the story they wanted me to say. So then he got February 4th of 94, a jury in Clay County Court convicts miss kelly of first degree murder and he's death, tried separately yeah the death of michael moore and second degree murder in the murders of stevie branch and christopher byers and he's sent the life sentenced to life in prison plus two 25 year terms he got the plea deal because he's the one who he got the lesser because he you know came forward and helped them second case march 18th Baldwin and Eccles are found guilty of capital murder by a jury in Jonesboro, and Baldwin is sentenced to life in prison. Eccles is sentenced to death. Do we know why he was sentenced to death as opposed he to- He was the leader, quote unquote, of the group. Okay. And his life in prison was hell. While Eccles was in prison, um, he was beaten, he was tortured, he was raped. He was kept in solitary confinement so long that he had, like, his eyes became, like, to where sunlight bothered them, you know, sunlight bothered them. And he was getting sick because he couldn't get any, any vitamins from, like, vitamin Thank D you. and shit like that. Uh, their, their, sentence, their sentences are carried out and- you know, it it as you can tell from our tones, we're not necessarily sure of uh, of these uh, 
of these convictions. At the same time, all of this is going on. A documentary crew happened to be in the right place at the right time. Right. The first case, they jumped in and they recorded like they were the there at thing. basically as the kids were arrested. And you might have seen they're called Paradise Lost. The first one came out basically right after mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, right as it was happening, and it was very. It was what, and I think you said this to me, John. It was what making a murderer wanted to be. Right. So Paradise Lost came out, and after it came out, it was an HBO documentary. After it came out, uh, a lot of the country started to go, no, wait a second. This just doesn't seem They did a right. good job of just presenting the trial they, they just and presented let, it. let you they, make up your own decision. And, but, and, and, and so some support started to come out for what was coined the West Memphis Three. But nothing happened. It there, Then came 16 years of essentially crap. They The... the the attorneys for each of the three of the West Memphis three kept asking for new trials and they kept getting denied because here's the weird part. I, I'm not a judicial professional, if, if in case you're unaware of this, but in Arkansas to get a retrial, to get an appeal through of any type, it first has to be approved by the judge who presided over the original case, which seems odd if you're looking for an appeal. Right. Like I, I would, I would, and he goes, "Nope, I got it right the first time." Yeah, <laughs> fuck all of you, over and over and. But over not only again. did they keep refusing it, they come forward like, "Oh, we got DNA evidence." Nope, we had evidence of jury tampering. Nope, he kept saying no to all this, and like you said, people came out in droves. Eddie Vedder, Dixie Chicks, Johnny Depp, thousands and thousands of regular people like you and I, it, like it literally in support. It literally sounds like a John Grisham novel. Yeah, like the whole thing of like, you know, this like, well, we have this evidence here and they say, no, no. So, finally, so, well, so five years later, they come out with uh, Paradise Lost 2, another documentary. It comes out in the year 2000 and it gets even more people on board. And that's where those those stars really start to, to pick up on it. And the nation starts. There's a website established, uh, huge fundraisers and, and, and a, a fervor, a movement starts. So finally, September 30th in 2010. The Arkansas Supreme Court hears oral arguments to determine whether there should be another evidentiary hearing for a new trial. And at issue is each side's interpretation of the state's DNA statute and the intent behind the law that grants evidence or access to the DNA and possibly if they're going to get a wrong conviction or anything like that. So November 4th, the state Supreme Court unanimously orders a new circuit court evidentiary hearing for Baldwin, Eccles and Miss Kelly. And the court says that the the circuit judge must consider not only the DNA evidence presented by the defense, but any other exculpatory evidence, including evidence not presented in the original trials because so much had came forward. And I'll give you an example. So you said that the, the genitals had been removed and they said, well, this going into the satanic stuff, this has been satanic had removed the genitals and stuff like this. Well, these boys have been in water and they finally had like animal bite testimony and stuff turtles and things had eaten their genitals because that's one of the first things that, that they go sense. for. Yeah. The, they the, ate it. And the parts where they said, well, they, they torture them by raking them with knives, serrated edges of knives were scarring from animals that had been eating right. at they, these boys. They, that one of the main pieces of evidence that they used against Damien Eccles was they said they found this large um, combat utility knife um, in a pond behind where Eccles lived. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, see the serration on this knife. It matches these scars that we found on the, on the bodies of the boys. Any investigator worth their salt looks at those and goes, yeah, those aren't scars from a knife. Um, 
that's from an animal. And the the big thing is, and the one of the reasons that these guys were originally found guilty was they had satanic experts, experts in the satanic rituals and the occult experts, quote unquote. And so this guy says this is textbook Satanism. The expert whose testimony was uh, allowed in court was he went by like doctor or something like that. And come to find out that like, are you an actual doctor? He's like, well, it's a correspondence school and I sent away for it. And they're like, did you have to ever take any fucking class no, I just sent him a check for like thirty dollars. They sent me this, and literally ju- exactly what Brent's doctor. And the judge, <laughs> the judge goes, "Well, it's good enough for me. I'll allow it." And this guy was. And that's allowed. how he was an expert in in the uh, cult and and uh, devil worship. And now you had these like, and it's funny in the third Paradise Lost, the third document, the HBO documentary, they go back, which is only from a few years ago. They go back and talk to that expert today, mm-hmm. and that old son of a bitch still will tell you, even though everybody and their brother understands that this this. The satanic panic is was exactly that a panic will still tell you that all of this stuff was real Mm -hmm. and is still so proud of it. Like as they're interviewing him, he pops in a VHS tape of him on unsolved mysteries. He's like, Mm. yep, that's me being interviewed. Yep. Yep. uh, I I am the expert. And he's got all these cases he's so proud of. Now, we were talking about also the, you know, the knife wounds and things like that. They went back and talked to the uh, forensic pathologist that that had worked on the three boys and they had given it to other forensic pathologist tons of them to look at real it. experts and they're like this is horrible horrible sloppy work like when john said anyone worth their salt it's one of those things where they said there is no way in hell this should ever have been mistaken for what you're saying it was and that guy doubled down like no they're fucking wrong everyone that you've talked to hundreds of people they're all wrong i'm right. i'm right so then you got an august 19th and a rarely used Alfred plea Baldwin Eccles and Miss Kelly pleaded guilty to murder while still maintaining their innocence, meaning Arkansas let them take a Alfred plea. And they said, I am innocent, but I will take this plea because they said, we'll let you out of jail today. You walk if you take this plea. And the only reason that happened is because that same asshole judge that we talked about that was originally on the case finally was not sitting on that bench anymore. You know why? Because he died? No. Because he got expelled from his seat? No. Because he was voted into the state Senate. Yep. And someone else replaced him. And that judge looked at it, brought in brought in the current state's attorney and said, guys, we got a problem here. If if they actually get the new trial, which uh, I'm looking at this and they will, not only are they going to win eventually, they will win, but we will owe them. Now, it might take a few years. So why don't we do this? Mm-hmm. Well, and the, well, off from the Alfred plea, they can get out now, and we, we you know, and it'll save still us felons, money. right? Yep. So we can call it a quote unquote win. And they, it was all or nothing. They all had to accept it or not, and they decided to. And so they stand up in front of they stand up in front of everybody at this at this big thing. Cameras are in there, and they say, in their own, they each in their own way say, "We decidedly did not do this. We one hundred percent did not kill these boys. But because of because of state law, we have to say that we are guilty, but we did not murder them. So we're entering a plea of guilty to walk out today." And these, these guys are, they're like a year older than me, you know, like these are people that, you know, I can see, you can see yourself in and you know what they were doing at the time. Listen to Metallica 
and how dare they and reading books by Anton LaVey and things like that being kids they were reading books <laughs> those bad oh. if it's true i'm not sure of it but if they really were wearing black nail polish then i lose a little bit of sympathy <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, I, on on our way out to do the show today, I, I said to the guys, I said, you know, Damien Eccles didn't help his case by being into Anton LaVey and, and, and being and, into and Wicca. And being that, like, I'm going to push the limit even though I'm and under investigation. even after he got arrested, he, he kept saying all this stuff. He While he was in jail, he was practicing uh, writing letters in other languages, mm -hmm. and he... He wrote the name other languages and he, insanity, and he wrote the name of Alistair Crowley, uh, who's another uh, a believer in the occult that we'll eventually do a, a, an episode on. We talked about him briefly in the Elisa Lamb case. Yeah, Whoa. so Are you predicting uh, the future, John? Yes, I am. Uh, so uh, he didn't help his case, but hey, guess what? That doesn't make you guilty of murdering children. That just makes you weird. We're all guilty of that. Yes, in one way or another. Yeah, but Brent, we're awesome weird. <laughs> That's true. So, Mike, what are your what are your thoughts on the case? Oh yeah, it's just the, uh, the the interrogation tactics. Obviously, you know they went after Miss Kelly. It's like with a with the McMartin preschool. You know, interviewing a child, interviewing someone who is developmentally disabled. You're leading them to something. They know that you want them to say the specific thing, and they feel that if you say it, they'll you know they can go home and it's done and whatnot. So, they got their. They got their confession, quote unquote. Yeah, it's just like and they did in uh, in Wisconsin with making a murderer. Yeah. yeah, with the 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 nephew. You know, they took yeah, someone. Brandon, right? Was absolutely. Yeah. Brandon. They go they Brandon go to the weakest link. Yeah. Yep. And then they get a statement, and then they've got their case. You know, facts be damned. If I may, <laughs> curious, like Mike, great. I, I I love that point, and I'm just curious, like or or John or Brent or or you know what, like Kevin, like what motivates that. Like, why is there that intense, I think, like, want to, I think, to get that? I think that they just want to solve a case. A and a lot of resolution. times, exactly. There's they, so much pressure out there in the community because these are these kids and, like, we want an answer. We need it now. We need it as soon as possible. They are not. They don't have the leads that they need to yeah. actually close this up. So they go for the easy, the easy win. Lock it down. I think it's also a, a, an intense desire once you've found your, quote, unquote, answer and enough pieces fit. Mm -hmm. An intense desire to protect your you, own you being right. Yeah. Not, I don't even think it's your your career at that point. I think I was it's to say your own way of thinking, like you, your thought process. Correct. Yeah. It, once I mean, once you really believe something, I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm gonna. I mean, we, you go back. We, we we've mentioned all three documentaries, and if you get a chance, you really should watch them. They are intensely interesting. My wife, who who uh, isn't necessarily My interested. Wife. Who isn't necessarily interested in all the topics that we do on this show? Uh, watched every minute of all three Paradise Lost with me and loved. They are every, gripping. They're they're gripping. gripping. You really should go watch them. And if you watch the by the third one, when it's obviously known that these three guys did not do this, almost to a man, all of the players in this in the West Memphis Three prosecution still say, "Yeah, these guys are guilty." Even the families are like. Of the boys who were killed are like, let these guys out of prison. They didn't do it. Yeah. My, Minus one. Minus one. My favorite is the, yeah. the, the, the can, we, can we just talk for one second about the stepfather? Uh, Mark Byers. Mark Byers. Dude. Yeah, that guy is guy crazy. fucked up. Yeah. He came full circle. I did wow. not. Yeah, he did. did. Watching him in the first two, 
I did not think by the third I'd be like, he's okay. Damien Eccles, you no. will burn in hell, and I swear to God, I will piss on your grave. And then How did the next episode, the right? Yeah. The next episode, he's like, we have all realized that we have been condemning <laughs> someone without evidence, and we let emotion take over. Let these men out of prison. They did not kill my baby. And I'm like, holy shit, did you take a 180? And meanwhile, <laughs> and me- meanwhile... You find out that another stepfather has a there's a bunch of evidence and lies that he's told. And a lot of people that know a lot more about this case than I do believe that he is the one that I might have, have sinned. <laughs> and one of the smartest, twisty legal things I've ever seen. People thought that he was guilty and he was also trying to make money. So the fucking Dixie Chicks went online and said horrible things about him and he sued them. For not, slander. Not buyers. The No, no, uh, the others. Harry Hobbs. He sues them for slander. And when you sue someone for slander, you have to testify under oath. <laughs> so then they're like, now that we got you under oath, we're going to ask you all these questions you have to fucking answer. Yes. And he had no way to answer them. And they're like, oh, my God, you really fucking did it. Because your character is now uh, completely open and yep. you have to answer. Here's the problem. West Memphis says we already got the people. They uh, they played guilty. Alfred, Alfred Police said yeah. they did it. Why would we ever Can take I anyone ask else something to about court? that? So when he was under oath, Terry Hobbs, uh, about the slander thing, and then they start asking him about this West Memphis case. What was his just? I don't, like, I don't remember. remember. I don't okay. remember. I have no memory of that. Yeah. I have no memory. Why is it this? And then his best friend, who he had been calling and stuff, starts put. They're like tied it together, and he's like. Holy shit, he was lying to me, too. And they actually used him, this Terry Hobbs' best friend, to, like, record conversations with him. And he's calling him going, you remember we did that? And he's like, I don't really I didn't remember see, is that. Is that from the other? I didn't see the other documentary. That's another documentary. Uh, West De- of Memphis. West of Memphis, yeah. Now, the movie Devil's Knot, forget that, but the book is the best, Devil's Knot, that actually it's a case. They, they, they break the case down heavily. And they really go into Mark Byers and Terry Hobbs' backstories and stuff. It's just, I, that would be very interesting to me. But it's just another one of those things. These kids, Satan, Satan, Satan. Evil, 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 get them out of here. And the state to this day, 2017, they still say, no, we did. There was a lot of evil involved. It had nothing to do with satanic cults, though. Right. So you're looking at all these cases. We've talked about all this. What are we left with? Well, in 1994, Brent, the FBI got involved with the satanic panic. Yep. They weighed in. They wanted to give their opinion to everybody. They released a study. They released a study. They said, you know, we'll let you know about these satanic cults and satanic ritual abuse. They released a study called The Investigator's Guide to Allegations of Ritual Child Abuse. It was by uh, Mr. Kenneth Lanning. It stated, quote, despite hundreds of investigations, no corroboration of satanic ritual abuse has been found, end quote. Zero, people. That's zero. Never once. That's not saying that there aren't people that worship the devil and things like that. But in every case it's ever been brought forward... It has never, ever, ever, ever been proven there was any satanic ritual abuse. They found they found individual cases, which they call pseudo satanic. Yeah. Where they they believe that there there, people claim they did something on behalf of Satan. And they say, for the most part, they believe those people saw 
shit from the media from mm-hmm. the satanic panic and emulated yeah, that so, or alliteration makes it real well <laughs> lies and smearing of people's good name in the name of satan by the media and shit like that they said they found no evidence for large-scale baby breeding human sacrifice and organized satanic conspiracies which were the ones that people were saying were definitely happening does satanism exist hell yes the evil kind and it's fucking terrible. We're not saying that. Please don't take away from this that we're saying Satanism doesn't exist and evil people don't exist. But not in the way people try to portray it and tie it to everything during this time. That's why it was called panic, just like McCarthyism, just like the witch hunts. Lives just were like Richard. Ruined. Lives were ruined. People died. People rotted in prison for the best years of their life. And for what? Just hysteria and panic. Hysteria. Mm. It would be a good name for a podcast. Too bad you asshats already took it. You're right. It's almost like we knew it was awesome. So I don't know. What do you think about the whole satanic panic? It, it kind of just fed itself. You know, there were allegations and then there were rumors and then the rumors became fact. And then people pick, picked that up and said, you know, I'm going to go out and uh, sacrifice this pig for uh, Brent's dad to come and find. That's and right. It just, it just snowballed, you know. But it, that is true. The, like, you the know, that became fact and, and action. You know, that's just kids probably that saw that shit. Like, yeah, oh, we'll absolutely. do this. Or, it, it's it's fucking and that's, a, that's the other problem is it did it did self-propagate with kids because. Uh, how am I going to rebel against my ultra conservative Christian parents? I'll show them. I'm going to draw pentagrams on stuff. Right. I don't even. An easy way to rebel is with spray paint on a on an overpass. Right. Well, right. It 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 feels bad. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, we've all heard from eight million people. Dungeons Dragons is bad. Better go play it. Like, because it feels like I'm really doing something bad here, and then I'm going to draw a pentagram. And you know what else I I drew? I Maybe everyone thinks I'm horrible because I did this. And then you know what I drew that set? I drew a swastika because I heard it's really bad. And I was yep. like eight years old. And I drew that next to my pentagram while I played Dungeons and Dragons. And listen to Judas Priest. Well, exactly. we for me, it was Motley Crue, but yes. Lisa, producer Lisa posted on my Facebook page this week, how to include Dungeons and Dragons on your resume. Hmm. This is relevant skills. Met with peers twice monthly, creativity and conflict resolution exercises, gain necessary experience for character and skill development, and learn to quickly assess situations and collaborate to find the best practical <laughs> solution. So really, it was just preparing you for fucking life, but people just want to do... Uh, There's literally a TED Talk about why Dungeons & Dragons prepares you for life. Now, Solid. now people that are, are like therapists for children or having them play dungeons and dragons with other children because it does help you in communication relationship building and stuff like that that were 20 years ago you would have been thrown in the fucking slammer. oh my god if you were a therapist like, building this is how we do it <clears throat> we're not a we're not a psychology show but there are there could not be more studies nowadays in like psychology today about RPGs like Dungeons and Dragons. There's and fucking how, TV shows and how sh- where you watch are, people play RPGs and how good they are for kids' development. Use your brain, use your imagination, and and not in the sense like we were talking about with the McMartin preschool, where these poor kids get put into this situation and they're led to say these horrible things, and then their children, so their imaginations, like oh, and then they were flying around too because that's cool. Hot Using your brain, yes, imagination. This is so good for kids. I forget, I forget what uh, which study it was. One of the initial studies that was meant to go, you know, find the damnation of Dungeons and Dragons. Not only did it find that kids were l- not as likely 
to commit suicide if they were playing playing Dungeons and Dragons. It found that they were less likely to commit suicide if they're playing because they found guess what? If you were playing Dungeons and Dragons, chances are you weren't the star football player. And you 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 found you were a little bit nerdier, you were a little bit different, and you found a community. But yeah, I was gonna say you probably weren't isolated. Exactly. Like that means you had a group of you people found a to community. Do something. I though now I I agree and I disagree a little bit because I watched this multi-part documentary about you know, kids well, that play Dungeons and, Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons. Was it by Ken Burns? No, and it said that you are one hundred percent more likely to release a demogorgon if you play Dungeons and Dragons with your friends. So I think that's something. Oh, damn it. Hundred percent, really. One hundred percent. So what, I mean, which how, is kind of seems upside down when you think about it. I know. Calm down. Oh, wow. Calm. How down. much of this though really is like that? The general group thing concept of like people want to find a pattern in stuff. It's exactly and it doesn't matter that. what the timing is. Like this timing had happened to be that. The late 80s, early 90s. If I may, I mean, uh, speaking of timing, uh, the 80s, uh, we, we made some jokes about Reagan and stuff. But yeah. Casio. A lot of Casio fucking watches, man. But there was a lot of moralism in the culture, right? Yeah. And and uh, Reagan, as our president, it was like, this is a good moral man, morning in America. And so uh, a lot of people kind of really cleave to that. But if you read any story or you play any video game or you do whatever, watch any movie, there's a good guy and there's a bad guy and people need that antagonism. Mm. And this provided a very blanket antagonism for a lot of suburban, mostly suburban uh, small town people. This was that evil that was out there. And in life, most of the time, you know, a lot of stuff is never just one thing. <laughs> Everything in that was, it was very black and white at that time. And yes. like I said, it was a Schwarzenegger, Stallone, it was big guns, big pecs, big ego, good versus bad. You know, this is right and this is wrong. And all of a sudden you get these gray areas coming in with things that people don't know about. And they're like, well, obviously it's evil. Well, and there I is kept- a timeliness, timelessness though, because I'm last night, literally last night, I was watching Miss- Mission Impossible 2. And the reason for the cremation of, or creation of Camara According to what was told to Dimitri, was in order to have a hero, you've got to create a villain. That's right. So let's be sensitive to our uh, audience and let them tell us about their uh, their experiences with Satanic Panic. Do you guys remember it? Are you old enough? Are you older? Are you younger? Did you have kids at that time? What was it like I would, for I you? I would love growing- to hear if someone really did. Like experience something yeah, like real, what, like yeah, what you go what false accusations. Like, we're we're. I feel like we're taking a very skeptical tone, and and I actually personally believe that, and I I enjoy that, John and and Brent about the show. But like we were skeptical towards the point of it was yeah. being pushed onto people. I tried to say many times. I definitely think these things are real. Yep. Unfortunately, it hurt so many lives when it wasn't real, and that's what was in the in the culture at the time. And I think that um, you spend, what was it, seven years on McMartin Preschool? Think about all the awful shit that was actually happening yep. that we were just turning away from or not even investigating because we were we were chasing this rabbit yep. down the hole. So let us know. Hop on Hysteria Nation. Let us know. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts? What are your memories of this? What is a case where you feel that it really did happen? Go to Facebook.com. Search Hysteria Nation. Also, let us know on Twitter at hysteria 51 pod Patreon. We're actually going to do a little up all night after this. We're going to keep the discussion going. If you want to be a Patreon member, patreon.com slash hysteria 51, just search for that. And while we're talking about Patreon, 
We got a new Patreon subscriber, Paul Curtis. Thank you so much. Already sent him some stickers. You should be getting them any day now. Very excited. Paul, we love you. And. Oh, yeah. Paul. Should we do a clapping? Oh. I like that, dude. You know what you guys need to do? Call and leave us a voicemail. Tell us how much you love Don't Paul. Don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. 773-669-7277. Again, that's 773-669-7277. We have seven seven three six six nine seven two seven seven. Can we all recognize I was just trying no, to. I was no just trying fives? to shut up Joe. I was just no trying fives? to shut up Joe. No fives? <laughs> no high fives. No pentagram? How many sixes? We have a Only couple two. voicemails. We're not going to play them. This is a very long episode. We're going to play them next time. We have a couple held up. But you got some... You got some homework. Tell a friend about the show. Tell me to go to Hysteria51.com, the all new and improved Hysteria51.com. Go check it out. It is beautiful. Michael I Cole, for it. thank you for being on the show for the first time. All you- the way from the mythical land of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Now, is that next to Agartha in the Hollow Earth, or is that outside no, of the concentric circles? It's by okay. Shangri-La. Do you, do you say Caddy Corner or Kitty Corner? It's Caddy Corner. Caddy, Caddy Corner. I'm Caddy. I'm actually just blocks away from Harry Balls Avenue. God damn right you are. <laughs> and then we had the 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 double threat of Kevin and Joseph on the show together. Gentlemen, very well done. Great to be back and not puking. Both of you had uh both of you had a lot of uh I mean you both have pentagram tattoos, mm-hmm. which is why we wanted to have you it's on. Great, great to no, be back actually, for the last time. I I want to say Joe's isn't as much of a tattoo, it's more of a brand. Yeah. Mhm. Mine is on my face. <laughs> That's why you have a beard. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, right. That covers it all up. I just don't want people to look me in the eye. And Mine's on the top so. of my head, which Please is why I used to have long hair, but then things went horribly awry. And just like Miss Kelly Jr., yeah. uh, you have a, a you clock. have a tattoo on the top of your head. Uh, if you uh, don't renounce your horrible opinion about Joe versus the volcano. <laughs> This will be the last episode you're on. With that said, I've been Brent. I've been Kevin. I once was Joe. I've been Michael. I've been John. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. It was terrible. It was just terrible. I'll never get over it as long as I live. That's it for another edition of Hysteria 51. John and Brent will be back next week with yet more of the unexplained, the unexplored, and the unheard of. (laughs) Oh, if it's unheard of, how will they know about it? Anyway, if you want to suggest a topic, give us your thoughts, or just make fun of Conspiracy Bot, that's my favourite. Join us in our Facebook discussion group, Hysteria Nation. Just log on to Facebook and search Hysteria Nation. Or you can always tweet us at Hysteria51Pod. What you just heard was a podcast in the Poop Culture Extended Universe. For more great podcasts, make your way to www.poopculture.com. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.